1: Welcome back, Pods fans! Another episode of Ring the Bell Pods Talk. Myself, Nick Kreider, joined as always by the three-time All-Star Heath Bell. We got a special guest for you on this episode: former Padres writer, now current Mariners writer, Corey Brock. Corey, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys.
1: Yeah, of course. I, I followed you for a long time on Twitter, and you know, I was sad to see you go over to Seattle. But uh, you know, it looks like you're. You're doing well there, and the Padres and the Mariners actually just wrapped up a series, a two-game series, where they split. Padres took the first one, two to nothing, and then Mariners got the last one, six to one. I mean, when you're going against Luis Castillo, you gotta—I don't know what you can do besides try to get to the bullpen quickly, and they did not do that.
0: You can bunt. Yeah. Bunt. <laughs> Nobody bunts anymore. No, Maybe I'm I just a pitcher.
2: No one knows how to bunt anymore, Heath. Yeah, that's don't true do it enough. Yeah, yeah, except
1: except for Trent Grisham, who likes to bunt with two strikes.
0: <laughs> he's, Trent Grisham's done that a couple times this year.
1: You know, Trent Grisham and Heath. I'll take your perspective on this really quickly. He leads the league in strikeout looking, fifty-one. I mean, when you're hitting under two hundred, I feel like you got to swing the bat a little more, right?
0: I I feel like he's got to swing the bat early and maybe swing the bat. I mean, Trent Grisham would have a better batting average if he swung the bat three times every at bat. Or just swung after every pitch.
1: He's got to be in his head at this point.
2: Yeah.
0: So, Corey, <laughs> let me ask you a question real quick. What do you think Seattle's done this year that they've done the previous years? Why are they so much better this year than the previous years?
2: Yeah. He did all, uh, it all starts with pitching for them. And this goes back to, I uh, think, right around early December, just before the lockout started, they signed Robbie Ray to a five year deal for $115 million to kind of be, what uh you know general manager Jerry Depoto called the lead dog of that starting rotation I think they felt that you know they have some nice pieces coming back uh, Marco Gonzalez Logan Gilbert who had a really nice rookie season and Chris Flexen um who had been uh, gone overseas and come back and really established himself last year but I think they felt like they really needed to beef up that starting rotation so starting with Ray um And then as we get a little further in the season, as Nick mentioned, you know they, Luis Castillo, um, you know, the trade deadline they're talking about, uh, he was the best available starting pitcher on the market. I think he's just like one of the best starting pitchers in baseball. Period. I, I think this guy is really good. So now you have a very strong rotation one through five, and a very good bullpen that's sort of backed up by Andres Munoz, of course, who the Mariners got from the Padres in 2020. It's just a solid group. And you look up every day, Heath, and you, you see the probables for a weekend series, right? And it's Robbie Ray, Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, a rookie who we, we haven't talked about, is really, really good. So I think they feel like they got, they've got more than a good chance every night. And if they could scratch out a few runs here and there, that pitching is going to be good enough. And lo and behold, it has.
1: It seems like pitching is contagious over there for sure, because all those guys are, are throwing really well and they've got great ERAs. And we looked early on at the Padres where we thought that this was that type of team where pitching was contagious. They were having fun out there, mocking each other when they were walking to the dugout. You know, the, the guys were throwing great games and then all of a sudden it sputtered out of control. I mean, what are you seeing out of our Padres rotation?
2: Yeah, well, boy, I saw a lot out of you Darvish the other day. He looked fabulous. He did. Um, and, you know, and I haven't maybe watched close enough, but I think on paper you look at that rotation and it probably should be performing better um, than it has. And I think probably even those guys would even be the first to tell you that, yeah, we haven't uh, pitched as well as, as we could have. Um, you know, I think the Padres get dinged a lot because, um, you know, they're in that division with the Dodgers. And that's just a tough matchup that's a tough matchup for anyone, but you play these guys like 18 times a year. It's just, it's a tough scenario there, but I still believe in the Padres. You know, I looked at that lineup for these two games in Seattle and I like the lineup. I mean, I think, you know, it's a better position player group uh, than what the Mariners have. It's just a matter is your pitching and to be able to hold up because if it doesn't, you just, you don't have a shot and that's just the long and short of it. If you don't have enough pitching, no matter what you do offensively you're just not going to be in games
0: yeah i've said that all along the last couple of years we haven't had the starting pitching they've always said well this this guy's you know is going to be the future this and that and we've never had the starting pitching. and even this year our starting pitcher is only going five innings you know you darvish did go what seven or eight innings the other day but it's nobody's going consistently seven innings to give the bullpen a rest or whatnot and
1: definitely not blake snow
0: yeah so it's just it's one of those things I've been worried all season a little bit about starting pitching this year early on it looked like it was really good but let me ask you this I'm in the clubhouse but I want your percentage because you see people in the clubhouse and what outside the chemistry I feel like the Padres chemistry they don't have much chemistry Where in Seattle they looks like they're having fun even if they lose a game or two it's it's okay they feel like they'll just bounce right back I mean In Seattle, do they have that chemistry that, you know, makes a winning club, you know, where they're not worried about anything? And then did you happen to see anything on the San Diego side? You know, I know it was only two games, but anything there that like the dugout, maybe they're just in pressure of Milwaukee catching them because, you know, they're on our heels or whatnot.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I got the sense, uh, like a panic sense at all with the Padres. I still think that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good position player group and a pretty good roster in general think a lot of teams would take that i look at the mariners situation as such Heath, where uh, yeah it's a very close-knit clubhouse these guys like to have fun and generally they all like to they all get along really well and i know that sounds kind of cliche but i think it's very important still and i'll use this uh recent story as an example uh, remember what a few weeks ago the end of august uh, julio rodriguez signed this monster contract with the mariners really a, a statement by ownership and by the team that we don't want this guy to wear any other uniform for the rest of his career. Pretty smart deal. Um, benefits the team, benefits the players. But one of the things I noticed that day, it was in the back of the room, uh, just about all his teammates and all his coaches were sitting in the back of the room. Now, no one asked them to be there. No one insisted, hey, Julio is signing this deal, it might be a good look if you guys show up and support him. It wasn't that at all. They just generally really love this guy, and he's very lovable, very engaging, very gregarious, always smiling. But they were there to support their teammate, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, yeah, I think it was an important moment for him. He recognized that. I think he was a little humbled by it and surprised. But the players, I think that's just a general sentiment about how these guys feel about each other. Yeah. And I, I, I do think Keith, you know, people. Certainly always want to talk about performance, wins, losses, home runs. And I get it. It's a performance-based game. I mean, it's what it is. But I I do think there's a layer of chemistry and camaraderie uh, under the surface there that that probably doesn't get enough recognition.
0: I think um, the Padres, I like the Padres' chances. and I love how you said everybody was just there. Where, you know, in San Diego a few weeks ago, we had Tatis, you know, positive for a Mm -hmm. cream or whatnot. 80 game suspension. And it seemed like everybody almost said he needs to grow up, you know, and that's our Rodriguez. That's our Tatis Jr. That's our young star that we want to be in San Diego for the rest of his career and not wear another uniform. It's just, it, it's, it's nice to see how Seattle, you know, it's not big fan base or, I mean, you know, known around baseball or whatnot because it's way out West, North Northwest, but all the team, they went there and they were supporting his team his their teammate you know signing this huge contract that i thought it was a unique contract you know it was and uh i actually love it it's mostly performance based but you still get a crap load of money but um he's gonna perform
1: i mean he's already yeah 25 25
0: why not (laughs) um where tatis it was interesting you know this year everybody loves tatis here and there and then this came out and then all of a sudden everybody's like well he needs to grow up he needs to mature you know we're not worried about him we're worried about the guys in the clubhouse so it was kind of like. You know, maybe our young guy needs to grow up a little bit more. And your yep. your young superstars reminds me of Ken Griffey Jr., just from the bright side that wants to work hard, wants to win, be a great guy all around. And you know, it's it's gonna be fun to watch, you know, Seattle for the next couple of years. It's fun watching them this year. It was fun yep. watching them last year, too.
1: It is, you know, we had an extension. Earlier this year as well, Joe Musgrove signed his extension with the Padres. And only two guys from the team were at his press conference it was Cronenworth and Machado. And I guess you'd like to see more guys. I don't know if they've got busy schedules or what, but yeah, you know, support your support your ace, you know, your team leader. I mean, he's he's the homegrown kid who threw your first no hitter, and you know the fan base loves him. I feel like what you're saying, Corey, is what the Padres need, and maybe it's because I, on paper it looks like this Mariners team is a mix of more young guys, and so maybe they can relate more. I don't know if the Padres have like too much of a mix of veterans and young guys. You know, with Hosmer in there earlier, uh, Machado's you know starting to get up there in age, but you know, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe there's a disconnect, language barrier with Kim. I mean. I'm sure they all love Kim, but like, you know, can they really have a conversation with him? So I don't know. There's a different things that you can point to. But I want to pivot really quickly to the trades that the Padres and the Mariners have made of recent years. Austin Nola obviously came from the Mariners. Ty France comes from the Padres. You mentioned Munoz already came from the Padres. You got Taylor Trammell from us. It looks like the Mariners have won all those trades all right.
2: Well, yeah, as we sit here today, but <laughs> sometimes the view on these trades, they do change over time. And I will mention the and this isn't quite fair, but, you know, the Mariners were able to get Robinson Cano off their books a couple of years ago, which was a miracle. basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was owed 120 million over five additional years and they found a way to spin him to the Mets. Now you got Jared Kelnick back, who they were very high on, but it also cost you Edwin Diaz. But at the, the at the time, the, I think that trade was viewed as a a huge win for Seattle, and I still think it kind of is because it, is. it cleared Cano off the books. But now look at Edwin Diaz; he's the best. I mean, he's the best closer in baseball, without question. So I'm now the Mets are probably like, well, okay, this isn't <laughs> this isn't quite so bad. But yeah, to get back to your original point, Nick, yeah, it's uh, on paper and on the field. Is this has been very one-sided and you know we could also throw in the the taylor williams for a player yep. named later who became matt brash uh, who's a key part of their bullpen now so yeah the, you know i wrote about this today in the athletic that uh, kind of go went over some of the key moments of the mariners rebuild which effectively started at the end of the 2018 season and one of the aspects that i really focus in on was that deal with the padres because it allowed you to access an everyday first baseman who at one point earlier this year had a 300 average with the Mariners since he came over in that trade. It's a little lower now, but, and then Munoz who they just think the world of has just developed into a, just a true stud in the back end of the bullpen more than just throwing, you know, hundred mile an hour darts that he did in San Diego, but he's got a nasty wipeout slider now. So Mm -hmm. yeah, there's no question. The Mariners would not probably be where they are today if it weren't for those two deals. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. And my thing with the Austin Nola trade, of course, they wanted to make that acquisition midseason because they wanted the help to get over the hump. But if you want to go out and get a catcher, don't get a guy who started his career as a shortstop and who isn't naturally a catcher because Nola is not great at throwing runners out and he hasn't called the best games in my opinion. So I, I think this trade is kind of looked at as a loss just because, you know, he's on everyday catcher and there was other guys out there that he could have gotten, but the Mariners and the Padres also parallel each other in a lot of ways. The West Coast teams haven't won World Series before. They both have kind of a big brother in their divisions, the Dodgers yeah. and the Astros. What is it going to take for the Mariners to overtake the Astros? And what is it going to take for the Padres to overtake the Dodgers?
2: Well, you know, part of the rebuild, part one of the uh, things that they kind of consider, this wasn't a primary one, was that by the time the Mariners were reaching the apex of the rebuild, which I guess would be right now, really, you know, maybe it started a little bit last year, they won 90 games. Um, But this is more a true competitive team, a better team than it was last year. I think they figured, Nick, that the the Astros weren't going to look like the Astros anymore, right? That, you know, you were going to move. I mean, Springer's moved on, Correa's moved on, yet they're still winning. So the Astros have been the Mariners kryptonite, not to the extent uh, with the Dodgers and the Padres, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that's a little, un, it's unfair. It's, a, it's sort of unfair to the Padres to kind of get compared to them. So yeah, it, it's going to be tough, you know, if the Mariners end up facing the Astros down the road, let's say they win a wild card series, if that's what it looks like and have to go to Houston. I think they would still feel good about their chances only because now with the addition of Luis Castillo, who oddly enough was added, at the trade deadline, while the team was in Houston, so I don't think the Astros are. Well, I say this, and I look up, and I think there's like 45 games over 500, something ridiculous, right? But I think I think the Mariners would still feel pretty good about their chances, just because, like what we got into before, Heath. We were talking about the pitching. The pitching is going to give you a chance every night, but yeah, yeah, that's going to be a tough series. It's kind of like if the if the Padres and Dodgers end up playing in the postseason. Well, one, that's a good thing because. Obviously, you reach that point where the, the Padres right. have won a you got to get there
1: first, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. So if, if that's the case, that's a good thing. And you just sort of take your chances. But, I mean, I think there are three really good teams in baseball right now. And I've seen two of them this year. I've not seen the Dodgers because they weren't on the schedule. But we just saw the Braves. And I tell you what, guys, the Braves are scary. I think yes. they're much better than they were last year. Uh, They have pitching those guys in the lineup, this Michael Harris, the second. My goodness, I didn't even know who this guy was. And they they locked him up, too, on a steal. Yeah. You know, you got to get caught up in your own little world where you're kind of watching these teams around your own league, right? You know, Mm -hmm. and living up here in the northwest corner of the world, you know, we don't get as much news as everyone else. But no, (laughs) you know, so I'm not, but I saw the Braves and I'm like, these guys are really good. I put them right up there with the Dodgers, with the Astros maybe slightly behind both. Yeah. I think the Braves are a really, really dangerous
0: team this year.
1: I would agree. And, you know, as it shakes up right now in the wild card standings, the Padres would not have to play the Braves if if they were the third wild card team. And you got to believe that they, I mean, I know they just want to get in, but from an organizational standpoint, you want to give yourself the best possible chance to continue to go the World Series, right? So they would, they would match up against the Cardinals. And then after that, they would match up against either the Mets or the Braves, no matter who that wins that division they wouldn't have to face the dodgers until the nlcs yeah so, you
2: could avoid the braves at all costs in that first round because that those three games if it goes three games those are going to be in atlanta yeah. right i mean they're going to host yeah. them so like who wants to go do that
1: what i mean i'll take both your opinions here what ballpark has the best home field advantage you think in baseball keith mm-hmm. what do you think
2: well i can't
0: speak for the new Braves stadium just because I didn't go there, but with the fans, home field advantage, I don't, I would, I'd like to say Philly just because Philly's so loud and so obnoxious. But if the Philly, if the Phillies don't start off, well, they'll start booing their own team. <laughs> so honestly, that's just kind of hard because fans, because they don't really speak a lot loud, you know, to kind of like in, in football, you have the 10th man, right. You get it really loud. You can't hear right. them speak or whatnot. Where in baseball. It has to do with um the city and everything, so it's almost like I would say St. Louis has the best home field advantage because there's not a whole lot to do there for the visiting team. You're just right there, you have the stadium. Everybody's a Cardinal fan, every single person's a Cardinal yep. fan. A lot of red. So, um, and the stadium it's a beautiful stadium, but it's not like they don't have really nice facilities to the visiting side, they have what you need. And I'm pretty sure home was a lot nicer than the road, but it's just um, they give you less time during batting practice. Little things like that, you know, affect guys. They don't, they don't have the recovery time after BP or whatnot. But I would say it's the Cardinals. That's what I would I, have to say.
2: Yeah, and I would agree, too. That's a good point, Heath, I think. And I just remember going there. This is the new Bush Stadium we're talking about. And it's just a sea of red. And I think it, you, you have multi-generational fans that grew up going to Cardinals games who are now taking their kids to games there and they stay for every pitch. No one's yeah. leaving. You know, this isn't, uh, you know, Dodger stadium, You show up in the third, leave in the sixth, yeah. you know? <laughs> but not to pick on them, but I, yeah, I don't get that vibe at Dodger stadium at all um, right. Even for as good as they are. I mean, the giants may be in their heyday, but I'd say consistently, I'd say it's the Cardinals.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see what you mean, Heath, about football, you know, Corey knows he's got the 12th man there in Seattle. I mean, there's nothing like a football stadium where it's rocking from, you know, every single angle. And the quarterback literally can't get the playoff because, you know, you can't hear him.
0: I got to um, ask really quick, Corey, were you watching the, the Seattle Seahawks play the other day? Yeah. What do you think about Broncos kicking a ball? Like when they have a whole minute left? <laughs> so, terrible. I mean, I know they counted it. Yeah. They had the seconds go down to 30, but.
2: Well, and not trusting Wilson. Yeah, Wilson, Wilson. I think I just saw maybe there was a story or we had a story about the, the coach finally admitting that, you know, that decision was not the, the right one. I mean, you, 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 you made that trade and you gave up a lot, I think, to get him. And then you just signed Wilson to a big deal too, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is your guy. I, I think I would trust him to try and get those five yards. I mean, that, that well. wasn't like that. They,
1: they have yep. playmakers too i mean they've got guys that are capable of getting those yards for you i got a
0: huge friend that's a broncos fan and he was like maybe does russell wilson not want to go for it you know was it <laughs> his decision and, too
1: much pressure on russell and to i'm, and to I'm to just seattle. like
0: i don't know this is just bad turmoil this is just spinning yeah so but i mean I seattle fans bad. are i mean when their team wins they're 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 great fans yeah Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think def-
2: that one's on the coach, so I think.
1: You definitely picked a great city to go and write for. Before you take off, want to get your predictions really quickly. Do the Padres make it? How far do they get in? And then just give me your World Series prediction after that.
2: Yeah, I, I think the Padres make it in. I'm just not a big Brewers believer. I think that Padres star power is going to show up. And um, do they have any more games against the Dodgers? Left? Yes, yeah, they do have a series. But not that many, though, right? like three? 3 or 4. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not 18. So, no. um,
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. we've so, lost all those already. Dodgers chances, I think that star power will show up. I think they will pitch better and I could even see them winning a series. Um and I don't know how this uh, how the brackets all shake out, but uh, I think at the end of the day, I think the Braves are going to find a way to beat the Dodgers and then uh, it's going to be the Braves and Astros and I think the Braves win it all.
1: You have seen the Astros play a lot, and you know I'm with you. I think they're going to be pretty ferocious in the the AL. It's, I think it's kind of lopsided. They're they're definitely the top dog there. there Brown, are,
2: but, I but feel like the Dodgers? Go ahead. No, I was going to say sometimes I, I I have seen the Astros a lot, and sometimes I do wonder though when I see them, I'm like, oh my gosh, how exactly are they doing that? Right. And then I, look, I see this Frambar Valdez is like turning the Cy Young right. I mean, I think he might. He's gonna, this guy's gonna get. He's gonna get Cy Young votes in the American League, and like, I still wonder how they do it. But you look up at the end of the day, Altuve, uh, Bregman, Kyle Tucker, who I think is probably criminally underrated. Yeah, they're they're a good team.
1: Yeah, I agree. Corey, thank you so much. You guys go follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Brock MLB. Check his stuff out on the Athletic. We really appreciate your time, Corey.
2: You bet, Heath. I miss
0: you, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I miss you too. We'll get together sometime.
2: Yeah, that sounds good